0: Hi, this is Claire Silver. I'm an AI artist expressing my creative consciousness and using AI in all sorts of ways. I'm currently on the Edge of AI, the podcast where AI creativity and culture come together. Stay tuned.
1: Hello, AI podcast passengers. Jump on in. Here's what's to come on today's journey. Find out what it's like to take a life-changing, debilitating illness and convert it into an inspirational artistic career.
2: And how a dragonfly and lobster come together to inspire this guest's existence.
1: And get a waterfall's worth of insider tips from an AI artist tapping at the door of blue chip status. All this and more, take your seat. Welcome aboard the Edge of AI podcast.
0: Snap into your safety belt
2: and prepare to explore the depths of the rapidly expanding AI universe. Each episode is a dispatch,
0: featuring hyper-relevant reports from the pilots, pioneers, and passengers aboard the AI rocket ship. We explore the latest use cases and developments in AI, hear from experts building tech, and learn how this disruptive force is transforming industries and society. Welcome
1: aboard. I'm Ron Levy, your captain for today's voyage to the edge of AI. Just like most of you, I've embraced the spirit of exploration and entrepreneurship throughout my life, from starting my own business before graduating high school to traversing the world's most challenging terrains. I've always sought out new frontiers and adventures. I've built award-winning homes, navigated complex regulatory landscapes, and now I lead a public company that is dedicated to pushing the tech boundaries and unlocking our full potential.
2: And I'm your co-captain, Josh Krieger. I have an insatiable curiosity for disruptive ideas and technology, which has led me on a cross-industry entrepreneurial journey, building transformative companies. As co-founder of Edge of Company, I've hosted over 250 conversations with emerging tech leaders, and artificial intelligence has been part of my toolkit for quite a long time. I'm co-founder of one of the largest food tech companies in the US Territory Foods, where I architected the menu planning algorithm based on consumer taste. Before all of this, my roots in consulting included supporting geospatial visualization services across the federal government and a predictive analytics initiative to curb veteran homelessness. Buckle up and
1: get ready. Let's tackle uncharted territories in AI today with curiosity as our guiding star. Today's episode brings you Claire Silver, an anonymous AI collaborative artist. Her work is a visual exploration with AI, touching themes like innocence, trauma, the hero's journey, and how our perceptions will shift in a future with increased transhumanism. Claire's art isn't just confined to galleries. It's part of the permanent collection at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art and has been sold at renowned places like Sotheby's, Christie's, and Super Rare. You might have seen her featured in the New York Times, Wired, Forbes, NPR, and various podcasts. Ever vocal about her fascination with AI, Claire also champions the budding art movement and reflects on the significance of this point in history. She believes that with AI's rise, the traditional skill barriers dissolve, making way for a new era where taste is the defining skill. Claire, as an AI collaborative artist, could you provide some background and share insights into your journey within this unique art form?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. So I had a career in something unrelated, and then I got hit with a chronic life-changing illness and so it ended that career. So I spent a lot of time online as sad people do. <laughs> In the space that my career leaving sort of sort of left for me, I taught myself to paint uh, just to have a way to express myself. And so I also started watching Westworld around this time, not sure if you're familiar. It's so excellent first season especially. Anyway, it fascinated me because I could imagine a future where illnesses like mine had been solved for, where these kind of ancient human evils that have plagued us since the dawn of time were gone with AI. And so I started searching for AI plus art since I was doing both in some capacity. And I found this website, Art Breeder, was then called Gan Breeder that let you, without knowing any code or, or having any technical ability, make AI images. This was before text to image. So this was before you would type to create AI. This was all visual. You would mix things, curate things visually. And I made maybe 30, 40,000 pictures in the first week. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. I was totally obsessed. And then I curated them down to about five. And that was very painful. It was like throwing away children. But those five taught me sort of my taste. Right. And so then I shared them on social media. unsure if anyone else would see them as art like I did, but they did. That's all kind of evolved from there.
1: Hey, that's an amazing story. Were you a painter and an artist earlier on or did that all just start after your illness?
0: I was primarily a writer. I always wanted to be a writer, but the illness affected my word recall, my cognitive ability. I actually had to reteach myself how to walk and talk with physical therapy and, and so Painting was a way of expressing myself that I couldn't judge against kind of a prior version of me. So that was relatively new.
2: Yeah. It's a pretty interesting story and sort of interesting way of how technology has sort of opened up, creative possibilities for you and what you can do in the world and how you can express yourself. And I sort of wanted to hark back to something you've mentioned before, which is that with the rise of AI, for the first time, the barrier of skill is swept away in this evolving era, taste is the new skill. I thought that was a really interesting point you made and sort of a reflection on where art is heading. Could you elaborate on your thought there?
0: Yeah. So AI augments skill, right? For better and for worse, it augments skill. So with an even playing field, what you're left with is message, aesthetic, meaning. There are certain motifs and symbols that weave through my work, even though the aesthetics can vary greatly. And that's me. That's my artist's fingerprint. That's who I am inside, right? AI is an answer box. You ask it what you want and it gives you what you ask for. So it depends on who's asking and what they're asking. That's much more important than the skill that we've lauded forever. And that's another point to make is a skill is something that we're very protective of because forever that has been the delineator of good, let's say, art or whatever, a skilled artist, years to his craft, dedicated her craft. That's laudable. And that's something we can admire. But we've admired that for forever. We've heard what people who have dedicated their lives to their skill have to say in some capacity. I'm interested in what people who don't have that have to say when given the tools to do so. I'm interested in what blue-collar workers have to say when they come home and are able, maybe for the first time, to express themselves creatively and share that with the world. What perspectives will hear? That fascinates me.
2: That's really interesting. I've got to say, I do binge on Netflix in the evening, and I was watching a show last night about the world's most dangerous prisons. But I was fascinated by how articulate these prisons were about their lives and their perspective on the world. And I don't think we see that color in society. We tend to focus on what people around us are saying. I think what you're saying here, clarify me if I'm wrong, is that AI is a forcing function for us to look aesthetically at the world of expression more broadly and what all people in society have to say with their words and with their ideas.
0: Yeah. And not just visual art, music, code, videos, games, any creative expression that people can have, there's already AI to assist with that. And one point to make also is that I can write code with AI, but I'm not a programmer. I don't know how. A coder using AI will run circles around me in terms of what I can do versus what they can do. It's, it's a multiplier for skill as well as an augmenter for skill. So I don't think that people need to be afraid of that.
1: You know, I was what going I'm to the- touch on something and you kind of just handled it. And that is to everything, there's usually a yin and a yang, right? There's this sort of both sides of it. And this more inclusive is the word I want to use. You're including everybody to be able to contribute and display themselves, so to speak. That's the plus, And that's phenomenal. And I was going to go into what are we leaving behind and are people that have developed skills over years or a lifetime sort of getting erased as to their art forms. But I, I think you just touched on it. And I I really love the way you just said it. It enhances what you can do. Is there anything else you want to add on that? Or
0: Yeah, there is one more thing. You remember when you were a kid and like, say kindergarten, first grade, and everyone was making art in class all the time. There was a freedom there in that you weren't judging against. They say comparison is the thief of joy right? And that's something that we learn as we get older. Using AI feels like that for me. It's the freedom of being a child and being able to express yourself. And to that end, imagine children of today growing up with AI from the time they could start to form memories. What will they be creating? We have to raise the bar somehow. And so if we raise the bar in terms of augmenting skill, then... Those who have skills will naturally rise as the cream of the crop, I think. But the skills may not be what we've traditionally looked at either. I think that we've looked at it in sort of a commodified way for a long time and sort of not to sound far anything, but sort of a capitalist sort of way. It's what we can produce through skill that is defined in a particular way, let's say. I hope that within a couple of generations of AI augmenting skill for people that, let's say, a hundred years from now, people begin to look at empathy, message, creative expression, these sort of human qualities as skills in their own right that are as important or more important than kind of the traditional way that we look at skill.
2: This is such an interesting nuance to your point. And I think about this from a societal perspective where there's a lot of observations around sort of the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. And I'm wondering... If you thought about how this affects the folks in the middle, right? Because it's clearly, it gives more opportunities to folks to augment their skills at all levels. But does it create more competition in that middle area where it's going to be hard for folks to differentiate themselves under this sort of new set of rules?
0: I don't have all the answers, I'll say that. But when I've thought about this, I kind of feel like it's going to have a YouTube sort of effect, like how YouTube had an effect on cable television, right? It moves the power from creative studios, from corporations into the hands of the individual. So one guy in his bedroom a year from now will be able to make a full length AAA film. I would put money on that and it'll be entirely his vision. There's no testing groups. There's no teams of people having input. It's his creative vision. And so... While that will create more competition in that everybody will want to be doing it, once you find someone that you resonate with, it's a diehard fan, let's say. I think it's a lot like YouTube in that way. It's decentralized. I'll also say rich, poor, middle, it's going to change everything for everyone, (laughs) right? Like if it's going to be taking jobs, it's not just one type of job or one class of people, And so it's about finding ways that we can enrich people's lives with it instead of taking from them. One way of doing that is I see Adobe and and a few other companies right now are paying artists and photographers and musicians to let them use their music in their data training sets or their art in their data training sets. They're paid a small fraction every time someone uses that sort of piece in their work through the data training set. So it's like royalties, but on this massive kind of scale. I think that the models of copyright and of employment and of everything are going to have to necessarily be totally overhauled as we go on. But I don't see AI leading us to an impoverished dystopia. Let's say that
1: it's why I just have one word blockchain, right? Blockchain itself has changed the world and AI is separate from blockchain. But you put the two together. And you've got a monster. And that monster could be horrible. It could be fantastic. Depends on what happens next, so to speak. But to understand it, you really have to understand decentralization, why it's there, the power that it enables. I'll even make it personal for you a little bit, Claire. It allows you anonymity. And think Mm -hmm. about that. To be an artist on your level, and just for our listeners, I hope you don't mind me saying And it doesn't take away from your art because it's certainly not my intention because I could tell by your art that your art first, but you get the people spend a lot of, well, let's just call it ETH, a lot of value in ETH for your artwork. And for an artist to be able to create that, get appreciated like that, and have an anonymous life, which in my book, there's amazing benefits to that compared to the other is only because of blockchain. And I think it's fantastic. And I really commend you for having the concept in the beginning and keeping it that way. It's, it's pretty
0: amazing. Well, thank you. I have no shame about where I come from or anything either. And I'm from a flyover state. There's no opportunity, really. My town had a Walmart and that was about it, cornfields. And so blockchain allowed me the opportunity to have a life, have a career, have all of this. None of this would have happened. I couldn't get my foot in the door at a gallery. My goodness. AI on top of no connections or anything. Another quick thing on blockchain, since we're talking about that, a lot of people worry about AI and training sets and sort of taking attention away from their aesthetic. Anyone right now could train an AI model on my work and make art that looks like mine. But that would only drive attention back to my work because my work is minted immutably and permanently permanently on the blockchain. It's got a record, a stamped record of being there first with that aesthetic. So I love when people use my work, actually. I'm not afraid of it at all. Drives attention back.
1: I think it's fantastic. So with that, what I want to do now is I want to go to your website. We're going to screen share a little bit here. Let me hit a couple of buttons. Give people some visuals and folks that are listening on audio only will do our best to sort of describe what we're looking at so they get a feel for it. But you should be seeing the homepage on Claire's website right now, which is just a beautiful drawing. But I think we could at least touch on most of these selections we've got access to here. First one is about, and you've got some just great quotes here as I was reading through it. Can you comment on this a little? And I might pull out a quote or two as you're going, but it was pretty powerful and pretty unique.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. So just touching on a couple of things here. I am a religious person. I am Christian. That is not popular either in the tech or art communities, but I am. And so I wanted to find that divine spark in humanity that artists have been trying to capture for millennia. I think it's important to retain in humanity as we become more integrated with AI and machines in the future. And so even if AI doesn't know what that is, like understand it, it needs to recognize it when it sees it, right? And know that it's important to keep it. So a lot of my early work especially really focused on keeping that transcendental wordless truth kind of thing, which I mentioned in the first, to train the AI to know it when it sees it.
1: I'm going to read Um, that first sentence for those that aren't looking at the screen. I collaborate with AI to produce Art that is transcendental art that evokes in the viewer a wordless truth. What a beautiful sentence. It's Thank just you. truly fantastic. And I see it. And you do go from physical to AI and back and forth. And that in itself adds a dimension, I think, that is the reason people subscribe value to what you do.
0: It's a lot of fun to go back and forth. It's one thing to type words, and I'm not disparaging that. I do it all the time. I love it. It's another, though, to take pieces of things that you've made, scribbles and drips of paint and photograph them and feed them to an AI so that it learns art through your lens and make work from that. There's another section down here. I explore themes of vulnerability, trauma, disability, social hierarchy, innocence and divinity and question the role they'll play in our transhumanist future. I wanted to mention that just because another thing that fascinates me is society. Like when you think about children, you think about innocence. So, if you have a transhumanist child with a Neuralink chip that has access to all of humanity's knowledge, is that child still innocent? And if not, what do we sort of value in its place? If we have a society where all of these awful things are healed, illnesses, poverty, etc., all of these struggles are healed, which is the goal. Where's the hero's journey? What kind of people will we become without struggle and, and trauma? Will it be better? Will it be worse? And what kind of story will we tell ourselves instead of the hero's journey if we replace it?
2: Well, I guess you don't have the same Darwinian belief, but how does this relate to our instincts, right? And like how we grew up and how we were raised and how our parents think of us, like to what extent is some of this in our DNA versus something that can be nurtured and crafted and how quickly will we adjust? These are some of the questions that come to mind for me.
0: I don't have an answer for that. It's fascinating, though. I will definitely think about it.
1: (laughs) All these questions, I don't think are meant to have final answers. They're just great questions, the ones you asked, Claire, and the ones you just mentioned, Josh. And the word struggle, I can't imagine a life without struggle, because if you live a life without struggle, you live a life without development. I mean, struggle is what creates it.
0: I thought that too. And I mean, everybody's going to struggle forever a little bit, but I met a collector not too long ago that actually talked to me about that specifically, had read that and heard me say that and said, I grew up in a great family, loving parents, wonderful siblings, very privileged, lots of vacations, great education, no trauma that I can really think of in any way. And I like to think I'm a good person. I work full time for a nonprofit helping people. I volunteer and I like my life. So I want to encourage you that struggle isn't necessarily a component to not suck, (laughs) essentially. So that was good. But that last quote on there at the bottom, I do not make statements on whether AI is good or bad. I'm a caveman painting fire. That's generally the answer that I go to when given these sort of questions, because I don't know. I'm just fascinated. right?
1: Me and Josh have a mutual friend. I'll call him and I won't mention his name here. And I think you know where I'm going, Josh. When we ever talked crypto, he said the way to analyze it is what would a caveman do? (laughs) So when (laughs) I saw your caveman comment here, I thought he's very prominent in the industry, by the way, which is why I'll keep him nameless for the moment right here. Let's go on to selected work. And as we describe this for our audio only listeners. So the opening picture here is beautiful. It looks like a formal gallery, possibly a home, very, very nice home. And then there's a picture of a flower that is moving, beautiful, and it's moving very subtly, but it is absolutely mesmerizing. Maybe a little story of, and this is your prime photo under your work, so maybe you can give us a little comment about that.
0: I can, yeah, thank you. So this was made for the Christie's event, Christie's and Gucci, part of two pieces. This is a 3D model of a home, And all of the fabrics and textures and things in the home, the couches and the drapes, they're all made with AI imagery. So I would make AI patterns and images and then put them onto the 3D models as the fabric. The video itself is a combination of free CCO stock footage of a flower blooming and layers of AI video. So there's Runway, which we'll talk about later, which is a website that lets you make video with artificial intelligence. So I've layered that into this ever-blooming kind of flower. And the home, the 3D Metaverse home is, well, it's meant for the metaverse. It's meant so that the collector can use it.
1: Yep, fantastic. It really is an impressive look. And then you can pick, by the way, yeah. ClaireSilver.com for you listeners to go yourself and have a look as well, because we can't go through all of them, although I'd love to. No, so yeah. maybe some of the ones that you feel have more the most fascinating stories behind them.
2: That's like asking her to choose like her favorite <laughs> child, Ron.
1: <laughs> well, I weren't it okay. right. It wasn't which one you like best. No, maybe we could pick two for sure. We might get to a third.
0: OK, yeah. So I won't say I have any favorites, but a couple with interesting stories. Very briefly, the one right in the center of the screen, it has the colorful kind of abstract bits. That's the piece that's in the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Is, is of that my...
2: the one called A Feeling I Can't Put My Finger On?
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of my early works. It is the face in the background has 7% of my face mixed in. So it Uh doesn't look like me, but it has a tiny touch of me mixed in with AI. And then the abstract elements in the front are some abstract paintings I made in real life and photographed and layered in digitally and then outlined digitally with the gold
1: kind of. So the, the way it physically looks is you do see a face. And then that's got abstracts over it. But I would say 20% of the face, maybe a little bit more, are not covered over. But the remainder is covered by all these abstract paintings, for those of you that are listening on audio. But it's truly it's really gorgeous.
0: Thank you. Okay, if we can go back, I'll just mention a couple more quickly. Uh, scroll back up to the top there. So on the far right, that's Pieces, that was made pure text-to-image prompt on Dolly 2. It was minted the day that Dolly 2 commercialized. I wow. think within an hour of announcing it was immediate. So it was the first legal Dolly to mint on super rare. And essentially the idea was that this is all these pieces of my life that come together into this couple of sentences that I've typed. So it's kind of like the quote about my entire life's work has gone into this doodle on a napkin, even though it only took five seconds kind of thing. And the point of it was it was priced very high. And so it took a collector buying it to kind of do this performance art thing where it's me saying text to image, low effort, high feeling work is worth just as much. And it took a collector agreeing with me to kind of complete the piece. And one finally did. And it was very, very special when they did. But yeah, and that's it, what I want to say about that.
1: Without getting into exact prices on individual pieces, which I don't mind doing, but but I don't want to push you there. What I saw was you sold more than one piece for five to six ETH just to give people a ballpark range.
0: Right now I'm selling for fifty-two
1: ETH. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do the math on that yourself. Yeah.
0: I think my all time high was around ninety thousand for a one of one. And it's like I had read somewhere that they consider in the gallery world blue chip artists a hundred thousand and above. It's like I just almost made it, but <laughs> next bull we'll market'll come eventually. Yeah. The last piece that I'll mention is scroll down a little bit. Uh So this one that's moving in the center here underneath that one, this is the Fisher King, another early work. This is owned by Cosimo de' Medici. And the idea of this is that there's a story with the Holy Grail, and the question you have to ask to find it is, whom does the Grail serve? And so I think of AI as sort of the Holy Grail, and you have to ask the right questions to be able to, uh, to find it and to use it. And then the question is, who does it serve, right? Does it serve man or does it serve baser sort of instincts or scary things? And that's something that we'll have to decide moving forward. This is a moving image of a girl made with AI. Again, 7% of my face. I always mix in 7%. So
1: for those of you on audio, you can see the girl there. She looks very young, by the way. And in front of her, hopefully I don't get this wrong. That looks like, in my mind, a fire, like a Maybe I'll let you describe it. It's open it. to
0: can... interpretation, right? Yeah, so it's an extracted, <laughs> Yeah, it's an abstracted piece. Art Breeder as very quite abstract. So some people see a fire. I see kind of a gown, like a skirt, and then oh, yeah. these gilded kind of metal pieces in the front with fish jumping up front, which is what reminded me of the Fisher King to begin with.
1: Interesting. For those listening, when I said fire, it looks almost like you stack sticks like you might in a campfire up higher to light the fire. It's that. and But when as soon as I heard gown, I saw it. Those sticks could be framing out a gown as well. So it is abstract. It's great. With a cloud above, which has some incredible imagery there in the cloud that I'd probably want to stare at for a while.
2: Pretty amazing stuff, Claire. It sort of prompts me to delve a little bit more into your creative process of creating these sort of transcendental pieces and mm-hmm. how sort of you'd like to evoke awardless truth in the viewer. Can you kind of describe your creative process here and some of the insights you've learned from incorporating AI into your art?
0: Totally. So what I've learned is that it's a rabbit hole. It goes as deep as you want it to. If you would like to stay at the surface level where you type in a prompt and get an image, that's totally fine. And I know people that make haiku or even one word prompts, they've got it down to a minimalist thing for their aesthetic. And I think that's very cool. But if you would like to go deeper, You can combine it with 3D, with music, with video, with hand-painted animations, photography, anything you would like to do. You can train your own model, which I've mentioned a couple of times, which is like there is a baby's mind and it only learns what you teach it. That's how it learns what the world is. So if you give it all of your paintings or all of your photos or, or whatever you like, that's what it learns the world is. And it will give you new work that is sort of influenced by and reflective of that without taking from that directly it can get very technical. I know an artist, Sasha Styles, that does literature, poetry, and code with AI. Yeah, there's a lot of dimensions for my process. I do text-to-image work. I love that work. I also do no text-to-image work. So that's Artbreeder, Ganbreeder, the older website that is all curation and visual-based. I use ChatGPT to code because I am not a programmer. And so I've made some interactive generative art pieces with ChatGPT that way combining AI. I also use it with music. I'm um, just starting there. We didn't get to it, but one of the pieces on the website, I asked for 90s industrial music but played through a 1920s player piano like in Westworld and it gave it to me, which is amazing and I was So
2: able to you use prompting, right, which is sort of a common technique in the world of sort of creating with AI, are there other techniques that you're using as well creatively that maybe folks might not be aware of? And these are sort of tools in your toolkit.
0: Yeah. Gosh, there's so many kind of use everything. I use Figma (laughs) quite a bit, believe it or not, Figma and Canva, because it has the ability to turn images into vectors and then turn vectors into extruded 3D images. So I'll take AI images and make them 3D that way, and then export them to a 3D program for what I want to do with it. The prompting is kind of the primary starting point for me as of late. Didn't used to be, but it's just so convenient and then getting more and more high fidelity. There's another program called Character Creator which is not AI, but it has an AI plugin called Headshot. And what it does is you give it an image. So I'll make one with AI usually. And then it uses AI to transfer the face of the image to a 3D model. And it doesn't just paste it on there. It sculpts the clay, right? Mm -hmm. And so then once you've got this face, then you can dress it, change the hair, whatever. And then it animates. So it becomes a fully rigged avatar for you. So I can hold up my smartphone to my face and talk into it. And it will live animate this character that I've made to go along with it. So you can Twitch stream or, or record video or whatever you want. So I've been using that as well. But the depth and breadth of tools out there is kind of, yeah, dizzying when it comes to starting with AI.
1: So there's so much you can do, but we've touched on some of the misconceptions already, right, of AI. We have a lot of listeners that are certainly experts in the area, and we have a lot of listeners that are new and learning from ground level, which we love on all levels. So we touched on some sort of obvious misconceptions with AI and the fact that I think you used the term blue collar at one time earlier can create things, but maybe you can dispel some of the other common misconceptions we haven't mentioned. Are there any that came to mind for you that we we haven't discussed and you can sort of dispel some of those misconceptions?
0: Yeah, there's one really big one. So the argument I hear most often about AI is that AI is theft, and the reason for thinking that is that the data sets that the AI is trained on, the thinking is that it looks at images in the data set and it pulls little pieces of them out and it kind of cobbles them together into this copied sort of thing, right? That's not how AI works, and I think I can break it down quite simply for people. This is
1: going to be helpful. This is going to be great.
0: So. I always use the example of John Singer Sargent, a painter that I really love. And so if I ask for John Singer Sargent in the middle of one of my prompts, it doesn't take pieces of his work and hodgepodge them together into my sci-fi concept art, let's say, right? It doesn't do that. What it does is it learns traits about Sargent. It learns that he often paints figures, that figures have hands, that hands have fingers, that... He often paints them with this quality of light or this sort of brushstroke. And then it takes all those things that it's learned and it imagines something new. So that's influence. That's how our minds work. You are not in a vacuum. Everything you look at, everything you love influences the fingerprint of who you are as an artist. And that's how AI works as well. It's just so efficient at it that people look at it and say, theft, copy. It's not. It learns like we do in a lot of ways
1: which is why they call it generative AI, meaning it's generating something
2: new. I love that. Claire, I think you're using a lot of the potential applications of AI now. It seems like you're really enjoying trying a little bit of everything. Are there applications of AI that you see in the future that aren't readily accessible right now that you're excited about? We've
0: got some right on the horizon. So Unity Centus is a program that is not out yet. But what it will do is, you can take a large language model. So ChatGPT is an example of a large language model. But you can train your own, right? So, putting copyright aside here, I'm just saying for the sake of example, if I were to take all of the Lord of the Rings novels and feed them to a blank large language model, to a to a blank AI, it would learn everything about the world from Lord of the Rings. With Unity Sentis, I can then take that model and embed it in a video game, and so. All of the rules of the world, the physics, the weather, the atmosphere, everything will be taken from the Lord of the Rings. All of the non-player characters, the people that walk around in the game that aren't real people, will have AIs inside each of them. And they all will live their own kind of lives and have their own memories and personalities. And you'll be able to have a conversation with them like you would a regular human. Nothing is scripted. But it'll be within the lore of the universe, because that's who they think they are. Again, it's very Westworld for better and for worse. That's beta access, I think, right now. Not many people have access. I don't have access, but it's coming soon.
1: So I'm going to go for a little challenging question following up on that. So that, you know, is beta. You don't have access yet. You're getting it. What's the next thing you're going to use that is not in beta that you imagine is sort of the next level of a future with the industry?
0: So, next year, the Apple headset comes out, the augmented reality, virtual reality headset comes out. That is going to be world changing, slow at first, then very quickly, just like iPhone and everything else. So, using AI with 3D, using AI with interactive experiences, using AI with VR, any of those things is going to become a very, very useful and lucrative skill. Let's say that very quickly. So you have a few months (laughs) to get your head around how to do that. I'm working on that right now, immersive worlds and also using AI for AR fashion.
1: Which is massive. The amazing thing about that, when we used to talk about the future, you had to go many years out in front. You're going months out in front, just the reality of where we are.
2: Yeah, it's very fast. Claire, as we conclude this segment of the show, we have a lot more to talk about. Is there any sort of message you want to leave our audience with in terms of the potential of AI as a creative tool and its capacity to empower individuals?
0: So I have this story I've been thinking about this brief, which is the first caveman to discover fire, right? And he thinks it's fascinating and he shows it to all of the other cavemen and they are afraid of it and shy away from it. When the fire goes out, and he sort of sadly puts his hands in the ashes, and when he looks at them, they come back black from the ashes, right? Then that caveman takes those hands and he puts handprints all over the walls of his cave, and we get the handprints that we got from cavemen in the beginning. He uses the charcoal to draw prehistoric elk on the walls of his cave, right? AI is like the discovery of fire. It's that transformative for us. It's a homo sapiens sapiens moment. In the future of our species we branch at this point so it's about using it to enhance and express what makes you human and it's freeing in a way that i i can promise you you likely have an experience since you were little please give it a try and just see what you think you know
1: wow i'm always going to crown you the spokesperson for the industry you have a way of describing it that is just so powerful and i believe completely accurate it's just pretty phenomenal We're going to move on to segment two, which is AI wants to know. So AI is curious and so are we. These are 10 quick questions. They're designed to uncover the intriguing mysteries that AI longs to comprehend. but can't quite grasp. Lord knows we've touched on that already. It's a snack break in our journey. So keep the answers quick. But the safety belt sign, it's also off. So let's explore more of who you are and what makes you tick. You ready for
0: this? I'm
2: ready. All right. Question one, what's the first thing you ever remember being proud of?
0: Tying my shoe. It was very difficult for me. I struggled
2: at uh, preschool. I feel like I had that same challenge. <laughs> <laughs> that and sort of another one that's a little bit beyond PG. Um, I've got one of those too. Yep. What do you need help with that you wish you didn't?
0: Eating, sleeping, making phone calls, humaning. I need help with humaning.
2: I feel like we all need help. Like I haven't eaten today. I'm pretty hungry. (laughs) If someone reminded me that it was time to eat, that would have been a good thing.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, what do others often look to you for help with?
0: Methods and tools and tips and tricks for AI. Also for encouragement around AI. I'm very optimistic, not a dystopian. And creative applications. I tend to kind of push things in every direction and see what sticks.
1: All right. Well, how about human abilities? What do you treasure most about your own human abilities?
0: Empathy. I think my empathy is my best trait.
2: Nice. Throughout your whole life, what is the most consistent thing about you?
0: If I had a biography, I would name it Fascinated. I am consistently fascinated by everything.
2: I can definitely see that. And throughout your whole life, what has changed the most?
0: My illness made me view the world and myself differently. It made me stop viewing myself as a productive sort of tool in society, a cog, and made me have to look to the more human things inside me as something special and worthy of living for.
1: I almost feel like this next question is somewhat perfect for you, not to put more pressure on you, but uh, reality. So what do you find strangest about reality?
0: Speaking from Web3 and from AI, I've used my punk so often and my name, Claire Silver, so often, which is not my real name, obviously. That when I pass a mirror or I hear a family member say my name, it's jarring. I think there's going to be a Mm. whole field of psychology that opens up (laughs) in the next decade for that kind of thing.
1: Wow. Back to that anonymity thing. That's probably a side of the blade we didn't think to have to look at. And when do you most recently remember feeling really alive?
0: So I was on a cliff by the ocean. It was stormy and gray and windy and not at all safe. It's actually quite dangerous. But looking out onto the ocean and and feeling that rain on my face, I felt connected to something intrinsic and greater and true. Those moments are what I try to capture with my AI sometimes.
2: That's beautiful. I've got to say, I've been to over 40 countries, but those cliffs in Galway and Ireland in general, Mm -hmm. like something about that mist and those vestiges that makes you feel so alive. So that's what sort of harkened back to me when you said that. Yeah. All right. What's your most unique trait?
0: Again, probably fascinated. I'm never bored. I'm always interested in something, which is why I don't sleep or eat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Minor details in the scheme of life. If you weren't human, what would you be?
0: I like dragonflies a lot, but they don't live very long. So maybe, I don't know, the smart answer is a lobster, right? Because they're immortal, so they don't age in the same way, but probably a dragonfly.
1: Your ties to nature have been pretty uh, impressive. What?
2: I've got this vision now, clear of a lobster and a dragonfly merged t- <laughs> merge together. And if you want to use that in the future, by all means, please do so. No commercial rates on my side. <laughs> Thank you. Very generous.
1: <laughs> well, staying with the Mother Nature theme, will just call it a bonus question. What place, could be anywhere in the world, have you visited where nature itself spoke the loudest to you? Like it could be an ocean, a mountain who knows what. But you fascinate me in that regard. So I'd be curious to know the answer to that one.
0: Yeah, that cliff is immediately what comes to mind. But after that, Iceland, I want to go back. That kind of rugged, that's very much what I feel in my heart. And Basque country. I love Basque country as well. Also, my roof at home where I grew up. I used to sit on my rooftop near the oak trees in the fall, and that place is home for me as well.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. With that, we're going to head to segment three, which is AI leaders and influences. So this segment is going to allow you to highlight some of the leading individuals, projects, and organizations that influence you or that people might want to follow. So who has influenced you the most, both within the world of AI and perhaps outside as well? This is a great time to kind of recognize someone that's had a big impact, whether a direct personal impact or through their work. You can highlight some of the leading individuals, projects, organizations. Who would they be?
0: So first that comes to mind is Joel Simon, who is from Studio Morphogen. He created Ganbreeder, that first website I ever found to make AI, obviously instrumental and a, a genius. He's brilliant. I've met him and he's truly brilliant. Rafiq the first AI artist that I know of in the MoMA. That huge wall of shifting sort of color point cloud kind of stuff, touching emotionally. It's, it's almost like uh, Rothko in the way that it makes you feel very cool. cool. Sasha Styles, I mentioned, does AI literature, poetry, code. Brilliant on that front. And Emi Kusano is a Japanese artist that I was lucky enough to meet in Tokyo working with AI. She does a lot of AI fashion and a lot of AI art focused on sort of a feminine lens, which I feel is sort of lacking right now. Love her. She's also an advisor or served an advisory role to the Japanese government on passing AI policy in regards to copyright and whatnot. And they just passed the most sweeping positive legislation in the world for AI in part thanks to her. So we all owe her a debt of gratitude if you use Wow,
2: AI. that would be a really interesting future interview just to learn about that process because I think the policy side of this doesn't get discussed enough. Yeah, sure would be up for it.
1: Which would be great because Japan is a country that didn't come up in the news that much regarding all the blockchain developments over the past years. But most recently, they've been on it. I mean, they're really moving forward with blockchain, crypto, and apparently AI now, too. It's just fantastic. Super great. Yeah, very
0: tech forward country.
1: All right. We're going to head to segment four, which is the AI resource list.
2: All right. I'll kick us off here. So. Uh This is where our guests share a handful of their favorite resources in AI. This could be websites, applications, books, podcasts, like Edge of AI, though we're new. So this hasn't been one of your resources. Newsletters, learning tools. Would love to sort of understand what this world looks like for you. What are your go-tos?
0: So typically, I don't do a lot of podcasts or informational things like that just because I like to Get my hands dirty and figure out on my own through a lot of banging my head against the wall. That's my method. But for tools, I would say Midjourney is a very accessible starting point for a lot of people and it's fantastic, very high quality. Also, just added a bunch of new things, features to it. So, I would recommend that if you're curious. Stable Diffusion is another sort of platform, Dream Studio is the accessible option for that as well. So if you search for Stable Diffusion Dream Studio, you can find it. It's text to image, but it allows you to change the model and change sort of filters and looks in the prompts, and so that gives you a little more control. It's a taste of a little more control. There's a local installation, so that means you download it to your computer called auto 1111. And so that is stable diffusion, which I just mentioned, but on your computer. And the benefit of that is you can train your own AI models on your own artwork, right? So that gives you the next level of customization. And then there's something called ControlNet, which is like a plugin for that, that will let you take one image and it keeps all of the lines and contours, but it'll let you change it entirely. So you can turn a drawing into a photograph, for example. Civitai is a website And it'll allow you to train your own Lauras, which are like aesthetic filters almost for models. And it's very simple to do on the website. I think it's $5 a month or something. So it's accessible. I will warn you with Civitai, there is a lot of not safe for work content on there. So do not browse it at home. And if you do download any of the AI models people have put up on there, make sure that you virus scan them. Most of them are fine, but every now and then. AVA, A-I-V-A, is a, a program for music. So you feed it your favorite songs or genres, and it learns traits about those things and gives you something new. But then the step beyond that is it gives you sort of the music roll sheet. You can drag the notes around, change instruments, change tempo. It gives you all of the hands-on control of GarageBand, essentially, but with AI. Love that. Runway ML is another one I should mention that is a text to video or video to video. So you can take a video of yourself and then have AI reinterpret it based on what you tell it to, or you can just type what you'd like and it'll create video for you. And they have free trials on their webpage. Runway ML. It's amazing. You should try it. I already mentioned character creator for the 3D avatar. Yeah, those are the tools that I would probably first mention.
2: That's a great list, Ron. We've got a busy weekend playing around with all these <laughs> new tools. It takes
1: hours and hours and hours to get really your head around one of those tools. So what Claire just described was a lot of time, but let me tell you something. What you're chasing here is another level of sort of free freedom, understanding, and many things that are incredibly positive. So if this speaks to you, the time will be very, very well spent if you have it. It's pretty fantastic. And that was an, yes. an incredible list. Claire, I want to say that how many hours did it take you to find those right tools? So at least people get to skip that part of it. It's kind of a Oh, big deal.
0: so, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so many, but I've condensed them down for you. Those are only the accessible ones. Those are the ones that are easy for you to start to pick up.
1: Fantastic. All right, segment five, we're going to head to AI tips now. So tell us some cool ways to use AI or your unique perspectives on AI now. And where is it headed that we might not have explored yet today, although we have covered a lot of ground.
0: We've covered a lot of this, I think, already. The different ways that I use it, AI and 3D and training your own models and using ChatGPT for code. Those are all the things that I would have mentioned. I will say I've started designing furniture. I'm getting a 3D printer, right? And a CNC router. I just got that in, actually. And so the idea is that you use AI and a tool like Fusion 360 from Autodesk, something like that, to design this parametric architecture. So what that is, is you give the program parameters around what you want and then you make a basic shape and then it kind of gives you a thousand iterations on that using AI and you choose the one you like and then it gives you the plans, which you then can use in your CNC router or whatever else. It's fascinating and very cool. So if any of you are crafty, I would recommend that. One thing I did want to touch on, it's sort of an aside, but not really. You're talking about where it may go in the future that we may not expect. So this Ooh. example I love. There right now is a team of scientists off the coast of Portugal. They're on a boat and they are recording whale sounds from a particular pod of whales that they've observed to have social language, not just survival language. They have certain sounds just for socializing. They're recording all of these and they're feeding them to a blank AI, to a large language model, and it's beginning to decode the language. So I have no idea the ins and outs of how that works, but what they're saying is that not only we'll be able to understand another species, but we can talk back by playing the sounds back in the succession they would need to be played using AI. So pretty soon we're going to have interspecies communication because of AI, which is fascinating.
1: That is fascinating. And and of course, why not? I mean, you just pair up the sounds with the actions or activities or directions they go with those sounds. And why can't you make sense of it? Just pretty fantastic.
2: Yeah, I'm amazed by that, because I think there's so many mysteries in this world. And one of them is sort of whales and dolphins. The ocean's full of mysteries, but so is the human brain, right? And When you mentioned that, I was just seeing one of Rafik's newest exhibits at Korea Blockchain Week and got to interview the team he worked with on that exhibit, where he's taking, I think, over 30,000 scans of the human brain based on people's different types of mood and sort of turning them into art. And this whale sort of science that you just mentioned is like another whole level of that where we're giving them a language that we can understand.
0: Yeah. And speaking of people's minds, the other example I would give very quickly is there are a few teams now around the world that have brain to image technology now. So you would look at some images, go lie down in an MRI, essentially. And then the AI can interpret from you thinking about those images a reconstruction of what they are. So terrifying when you think about totalitarian governments and that kind of thing, how it could be used. Also amazing to think about when you think about being able to record your dreams and and watch them again or show them or people that are unable to locked in a syndrome, unable to speak or move, being able to show people what they're thinking about and communicate.
1: I love the way you communicate your perspectives on all this because you're not blind to the potential unintended consequences where it can go because they're severe and it's really, really bad, but it is countered with the positive, which you just described as well. And these are critical conversations for us to continue to have. Thank Uh, you.
0: Yeah, I want people smarter than me to be talking about them. And I don't feel like they're doing it at the level that I would like them to just yet.
2: Yeah, I mean, this has been an incredible honor. And I've learned so much and have such a deeper appreciation for you, Claire, and your work. You've come up in conversation so many times in my world over the last few years. And it's a treasure to have this time with you today.
0: Thank you so much. If I could leave a parting thought, my parting thought would be, This technology is coming, whether or not you're happy about it, it's here. It's like fire. Right. And so you can have a centralized model where governments control this and have to trust that they will all do the right thing with this infinite potential. Or you can have a decentralized model where you will have bad actors creating scary things in their garages and you will have good actors countering that. So I'm in favor of decentralization for AI open source models. I hope that you will be too, but that is something to think about.
1: That's a perfect sort of closing to the interview portion. And it's been phenomenal. Claire, I got to tell you, I feel like we could do this for eight hours. <laughs>
0: we could, yeah. <laughs> it's, Thank it's you.
1: Fascinating. But I love all that we've covered and you've done a great job. So for the listeners that want to learn more or follow what you do, where do you suggest they can follow your projects or what you're working on?
0: So the best place is my Twitter. I live on Twitter. So Claire Silver 12 is my handle and I post every day. Other than that, my website is a good place to go. Also have a nonprofit called Accelerate Art that focuses on elevating and highlighting emerging artists, not just using AI of all types. So I would hope that you would check that out as well. Some amazing work there on exhibition in Paris and all over the place. We do what we can.
1: Please, everybody do that. Let's support Claire as best we can in all aspects. Because based on this, I think what we've learned is she's a leader for goodness in the field. So let's stay tuned to what she's doing. All right, it's time for another safe landing at outer edges of the AI universe for today. This is your Captain Ron.
2: And your co-captain Josh.
1: And on behalf of our guest and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for choosing to voyage with us today. We wish you a safe and enjoyable continuation of your journey. When you come back aboard, make sure you bring a friend. Our starship is always ready for more adventurers. Head over to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and share your thoughts. Your support and feedback mean the world to us. Don't forget to visit edgeofai.xyz to learn more. Connect with us on all major social platforms by searching for edgeof underscore AI. Join the exciting conversations happening online. Before we sign off, mark your calendars for our next voyage, where we'll continue to unravel the mysteries and advancements of AI. Until then, we'll see you
3: later. The views and opinions expressed on Edge of AI reflect solely those views and opinions of the show hosts and its guests. Please make sure to do your own research. While we make every effort to ensure that the information about AI technology is accurate and up-to-date, we cannot guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or timeliness. We make no representations or warranties of any kind with respect to the information, products, or services discussed. Please be aware AI may occasionally generate incorrect or misleading information and produce offensive or biased content. Under no circumstances shall we be liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss or damage arising from loss of data or profits arising out of or in connection with the use of technology discussed on our podcast. Additionally, our show is not financial advice. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk. Whenever making financial decisions, we recommend doing your own research and talking to your accountant for financial advice. Lastly, time to time, we may feature sponsored content on the show for which we receive value, and we may share links for which we receive a commission if you make a purchase through one of these links. Refer to our website, edgeofai.xyz, for our full disclaimer, terms and conditions, privacy policy, and copyright notice.